Abba Yahweh. Bless this sharing of your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father, my brothers and sisters, to lift them up and encourage them, exhort them to the path, and keep them encouraged on the path of righteousness, Father. And whatever your word is, let it fall on spiritual ears, Father. They that have ears, let them hear. And they that have the spiritual eye, they will see your word as truth. They will seek your truth. They will seek your word, Father. Brothers and sisters, quite early in the morning, and I have uh, things that I have to tend to, but the Spirit has roused me in this because um, there were some things just going on through my mind and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and that I should share this with you. So what I'm going to share is about offense and some of the firm words that I use and I will share them with you yet again if you missed them. I don't care. And I say that in a loving way, actually, but here's the deal. And here's the bottom line. This is it. This is the very bottom. There is no negotiation in this. The only validation that I care anything about, the only truth that I care about, is the Word of God and the validation that he gives to me. Whatever anyone says about me, whatever anybody decides about me, whatever their opinion is of me, I don't care. We all need to actually be more that way. We care for one another. There's a difference. Caring what comes out of someone's mouth and worrying about that and being offended by that is ridiculous. They are only merely words. But people get so caught up in this. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. And I'm going to share this part with you. And this is actually good because even back then, seeking offense, brothers and sisters, you will find it. You go looking for it, you'll find something to be offended about. If you don't look at everything and seek to find offense in anything, it's not going to be there. Ignore the things that are so troubling. And this is one of the things that Paul would teach. Don't be so concerned with the things to the left and the right and that you get so worked up about it and so agitated about it that you start becoming anxious and overwrought about it and then you become distracted by it or you become fearful and then you start letting the fear drive your reactions and your actions and your activities through the course of the day. Brothers and sisters, cut it out. If you look for offense, you will find it. If you look for those things that are righteous and higher, you will find them. Seek and ye shall find. Look to the word of God. In Genesis chapter 4. Cain was upset because... 
his offerings weren't being accepted and it agitated him. He became offended by his brother. But rather than talking to God and finding out what he could do different, and this is a conversation that God had with him because Cain had become envious of his brother. And we have to remember that back in the time of Adam and Eve, if you remember, that God used to love to spend time in the cool of the evening and walking in the garden and speaking to them back in that day. In that day, remember Enos? Enoch, I'm sorry. Enoch was God's friend. They went walking and talking. And then one day, he just took him. Took him home. Enoch didn't go back home. He went with God. And he went home. Not to his earthly home, but he went home. He went home with God. He just was no more. But at any rate, God observed Cain. And he said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou countenance fallen? He could see his face. He was walking with them and they were talking. He said, why are you so upset? You look so agitated. You, you, what's wrong? And instead of Cain talking with God, he just remained silent. He said, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So uh, God's talking to Cain, and he knows the agitation that he's feeling, he knows what it is, and he's Cain is allowing sin to infiltrate. He's become so agitated, and then he stayed so agitated, and rather than be, being over this sin that was coming and driving, Cain went out to the field. And he was talking to Abel, and then he rose up and he slew him. Of course, God knew what had been done. God knows everything we do. Remember, brothers and sisters, he is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, which means he's all-knowing, always present, and all-powerful. He likes us to talk with him. He doesn't need us to confess. He doesn't need us to tell him what we did or didn't do. He knows, but he likes to talk to us. He is our father. He's our good, good heavenly father and creator. He enjoys talking with us. He saves our prayers in small golden vials that he keeps in his temple. He keeps our prayers, brothers and sisters. And here he asked Cain, 
a very pointed question. And Jesus actually addresses this same question later on. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Brothers and sisters, yes, we are our brother's and sister's keeper. We are that very thing that Cain questioned. God knew he had slain his brother. He didn't need Cain to tell him that he had killed him. He was looking for confession. But then we go back here in Matthew when Jesus is giving the parable of the landowner and giving the talents to his stewards who were supposed to be his stewards and the one that was fearful and knew how mighty his Lord was, but he was afraid. So he just went and buried it and he didn't do anything with it. And the others took it out and they, they made more and they invested. And he was pleased with them. And then, of course, he told the one that buried it and didn't do anything that he was not happy with him. But the important thing of it is here, when Jesus was talking and speaking the parable about how he had been taken in and clothed and fed and so forth and so on, and they didn't understand the parable. They didn't understand the relationship or the parallel that Jesus was making. And he had to explain it to them almost write it out in plain English for them. They didn't get it. What, what do you mean? Saying, Lord, what? how is it that we, you were hungry and, and fed thee, thirsty, and we gave you drink, and we saw that uh, as a stranger and took you in or, or, or naked and put clothes in? What, what do you mean? We don't understand that. And he told them that the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done as much unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Brothers and sisters, we are indeed our brothers and sisters' keeper. We are to take care of one another. But there are those that are too offended by a smell or a certain way that a person dresses or the number of tattoos that they have. I have a few. Started getting them when I was a younger person, a little older. Mine are tasteful, though. They're not all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just poking around. It's, it's very early in the morning. But brothers and sisters, we are our brothers and sisters' keeper. We are meant to care 
for one another. And as I shared with you on the outset, if we look for things to be offended by, surely we will find them. For when you look for things and you look hard enough, you're going to find them. Plain and simple. That's, a, just a, that's just an old rule of life. If you look for something most diligently, it will find you. You will find it. Why do we look for things to be offended by? Why is it somebody's speech offends someone? I, pardon me, I have to deal with this. And when I share things with you, brothers and sisters, I have to listen as well. The, the Spirit is talking to me first. So I get the first taste of what I'm sharing with you. And it's meant for me as well as it is, it is anyone else. I have to keep this in mind. Come on, man. I was, I was a gung-ho jarhead, and there are things that I get agitated with, like uh, lazy workers and lazy co-workers that are just absolutely atrocious in their laziness. And, but I can't seek agitation in that, and I can't look for it. It's not my place. So what I do is I just correct what I find. I do the very best I can. And if I have an opportunity, I kindly make a suggestion or many times they even ask what I would do. My goodness gracious. A young millennial actually asking an old guy what they should do? Unheard of. Brothers and sisters, Stop looking for things to be offended by. Feed those that need to be fed. Share with those that need to be shared the word. Brothers and sisters, we are meant to cast the seed to the field. We may not see that seed sprout. We may pass from this plane of existence before it sprouts and we take place. We may not see the salvation of the person that we shared the word with. But they went to their pastor or they started going to a church because what we planted in their ear started to fester. And they went and repented and asked forgiveness and said, Lord, take me back. And as the parable of the prodigal son, he came running to us and threw his arms around his neck and said, of course I will. You are forgiven. He does that to every one of us, brothers and sisters. Every single one of us is forgiven. All we have to do is ask. He says, of course you are. I love you so very much. Oh, there's that two-letter two letter, little short word again. I love you so much. Of course I will. I love you so much that I gave my only begotten son and he loved you so much that he went along with what I requested and he stepped off his throne in heaven and came and did that very thing that is so unsurpassable in laying down his life. 
voluntarily. Brothers and sisters, we are indeed our brothers and sisters' keeper. We are. We are meant to take care of one another. We are meant to be a gathering people. And brothers and sisters, here's, a, here's another. <laughs> the Pharisees, they, they are just, um, they're, kind of a, they're kind of a walking circus to me. Just my opinion. But they are. They, they can't figure so many things out. And, it's, and much of what was written. And <laughs> what was in the Torah and the scriptures that they read was exactly what Jesus was teaching. He just wasn't saying it in the exact way that they had read it. And they didn't get it. But much of what he was teaching was already there. But here's the thing. They found so many things to be offended by. They looked for things to be offended by. They were agitated because Jesus did a lot of teaching and preaching on the Sabbath. And when they happened to see that Jesus was walking with the disciples and they were out in the field and there were some that were picking grain and, and corn and they were eating it. Oh my gosh, what was the first thing that the Pharisees did? They ran up to him and said, what are you doing? Your disciples are picking grain. They're working on the Sabbath. Jesus kind of looks around and says, yeah, they were hungry. And your point would be what? <laughs> the Pharisees... Brothers and sisters, the Pharisees were, to me, they were just looking for things that would be an agitation, looking for things to be offended by. And here's the thing, too, that, that is very important, and I think this deals very strongly with what I'm talking about. In the book of Mark, in chapter 7, we will find that Jesus talks about these. And there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things that come out of him, those are they that defile the man. What does that mean? Brothers and sisters, that corrupt thing that we allow to enter into our heart and then that thing that we bring into our heart and then we think about it and we dwell on it and then it spews out of our mouth in either vile language or disruptive speech or agitation. It comes out of our mouth that way. This is why it's called the tongue a two-edged sword. It can cut as it spews the words out and cuts as it's drawn back in. And brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus Christ is talking about. If any man hears, has ears to hear, let him hear. And there it is again, he's telling them. If you have spiritual ear, you understand what I'm saying. You're looking for things to be offended by. <laughs> they didn't get it. 
They didn't get it because they were too busy looking for things to be offended about. They were too busy about things other than the word and teaching and the truth. And he asked them sometimes, I mean, this is so pointed here in verse 18. And he said unto them, are ye without understanding also? And this was because his his disciples didn't quite get it. And they asked him about the parable. Do ye not perceive that whatsoever things from without entereth into the man is it cannot defile him because it entereth not into his heart but into the belly and goeth out into the drought purging all meats so Jesus Christ is talking about the very thing that I'm talking about Of course, he's saying it in the King James Version. I just like reading this version. But he's talking about those things that you eat. It's not going to defile you. It comes out in the draught. When you go to the bathroom, whatever, it comes out. What comes in to defile is what you allow to enter into your heart. What you allow to come in through your eyes, you see that offends. You look for that offense. You seek that offense. It will defile you. And it will defile you because then you go out and you talk smack to somebody and get in their face about something that has no, really has nothing to do with anything at all, except that you have decided to be offended by it. So then the next time you see this person, you've allowed this thing to fester and fester and fester. One of my teachers, and I love this, I hope I get it right. He says, um, don't curse it, don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, but just reverse it. So when something offensive takes place that shouldn't be offensive anyway, don't cuss about it, be all agitated, and don't keep nursing the wound that is imaginary and really isn't any wound at all because they're just simply words or actions that were not grievous to you, but you've decided to be offended by it. And then you keep nursing it because you keep rehearsing it over and over again. You play it over and over and over in your head. Brothers and sisters, I sometimes do this. When something is uh, amiss uh, in a chore or working that I'm doing, and I smash my thumb with a hammer, yeah, it hurts quite a lot. I don't go jumping around cussing and everything like that, but sometimes I, I replay in the back of my head. And sometimes if somebody... Uh, does something really, really foolish in their automobile that's totally unsafe. And then I will sometimes mutter to myself about what a jerk they are. I don't ever get up in anybody's face. I don't get confrontational about it. But sometimes I just rehearse it. And I just have to reverse it. Reversing it is what? 
repent of the agitation that you allowed it to cause and that you pray over that person intercessory prayer on behalf of a person that isn't present with you. That's what intercessory prayer is. Jesus Christ does that for us every day, brothers and sisters. He prays over us every single day. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We must do the same thing. So, brothers and sisters, the Spirit stirred me up. I was laying down. But these are important things because the days around us are becoming very bleak, very dark. And brothers and sisters, truthfully and honestly, they're going to become darker before they become lighter. And for all you naysayers and doom and gloomers out there, get in the word, read it. It's there. It's nothing about doom and gloom. This is about the second coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who's going to come all clothes in white. He's coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah and not as a sacrificial lamb. He's going to come as the king. What is doom and gloom about that? This is what the, the Jews and the Pharisees and all at the time were offended by. They looked for offense and they found it. Why? Because Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt that had never been ridden by anyone before. Not on a steed as an avenging king with his entourage. See, that's what they were looking for. They read the scriptures, but they didn't read the prophecies. And when they read of the coming Messiah and the descriptions that were used for him, this personage, they were looking for a crowned king and his entourage and his army to come in to run the Romans out of the out of the Jerusalem and out of the territory. And then it was going to be a Jewish free state. And that didn't happen until what, 1942, 46? Anyway, long, long time later that Jerusalem became a free state and everybody is still trying to blow them up. So brothers and sisters, they were offended because Jesus Christ didn't come in riding the big horse as they expected the king to do, which would have, of course, stirred up the Romans anyway. And when he was taken before Pilate, Pilate couldn't find any, any reason to crucify him. And he was fully, completely, willing to release Jesus Christ. Free. I find no guilt in him that warrants crucifixion. And then when they demanded his crucifixion, of course, Pilate washed his hands of the whole matter, ceremoniously in a bowl, figuratively, but also saying, you know, I don't want part in this. I told you that he was not guilty. His blood is now on your hands because... You're demanding crucifixion, and I said that he was not guilty. But because Pilate was afraid of an uprising, he did not exercise his full authority, which he could have done and just stood up to them and said, No, I'm going to beat him up, 
and I'm going to hold him in custody for a while, but I'm not going to crucify this man because he's innocent. However, that was not the plan. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and was sacrificed for all of our sakes. He came here to be sacrificed. He knew he was going to be sacrificed. He knew that was going to happen. Brothers and sisters, if you can imagine, if you will, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he went up to pray, and he took the disciples up there, and then he kept going back out, and he found them asleep, found them asleep again, and then it's just like, man. But he just went up. But, But listen to, if you go through the Word, and you see that Jesus Christ was praying for the cup to be lifted. But he also said, Father, thy will be done. This is what we have to be doing constantly in our prayers, brothers and sisters. Pray for one another. Quit seeking to be offended by everything. If you're finding offense in something or you are offended by it, then you're looking for something to be offended by. Pretty plain and simple actually. And when I'm pointing my finger out there, you can't see it, but I have three of them pointing back to myself. My thumb points right up to heaven because the spirit tells me, practice what you preach. And I do. That's the whole point. Brothers and sisters, we just need to take care of one another. We need to pray over one another. We need to pray intercessory prayer. We need to pray to God all the time, boldly go before his throne in thanksgiving and appreciation and thankfulness for one another. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. I do. And I pray that this word is helpful to you. That's what it's meant to do. Everything I share with you, brothers and sisters, is meant to exhort, encourage, and lift you up. And if you find offense in it, then take a look in the mirror. Take some introspective observations, get in the word and read. And if the shoe fits, put it on and wear it. If it doesn't apply, then don't pay attention. Simple, it's really simple. My mom used to say that all the time and then my dad caught on to it because he overheard her and then it was like, oh my gosh. And you know, it was kind of hard because I had four older brothers. And my father used to tell me, they're only words, they're only words. And like I'm sharing with you, They're only words, nothing to be offended by. If you're finding offense, then you're looking for offense. And then, of course, too, when it was a group announcement and, oh, it wasn't me, I didn't do it, then, of course, then the words came out. If the shoe fits, wear it. So, some of you that don't know what that means, that you might be of that millennial age, Older folks would probably know what that means or remember hearing it. But that means if the situation applies to you personally, then absolutely you do 
what the corrective instruction was. And if it doesn't apply to you, then ignore it. Really pretty simple. And just like everything I share with you, if it's applicable, then use it. Seek the word. Go to the word. Pray over it. And if it doesn't apply, then all the better. But I think that for probably better than 90%, and that goes for Christians as well. Oh, yes. All those Christians, or even those that are claiming to be. I believe that it applies. That they are finding offenses. Let me me illustrate real quick, and then I'm going to let you go. Go to church, you're sitting in church, you're trying to pay attention to the sermon, and then you you hear some giggling or something over to your right, and you hear a little murmuring to the left, and then you start looking over and you see that these youngsters are on their cell phone to the left, and the cell phone to the right, and then you start getting agitated and distracted from the preaching, and then you start finding reasons to be offended. And then it's mentioned to one of the deacons that you're offended by the fact that the parents are not taking the cell phones away from their children or allowing the children to use them in church. However, do you know for a fact that they weren't in the scripture and they just found something that was humorous in the word or that they were discussing the word over to the left side? They were murmuring because they were discussing the word of God with one another? Do you know that for a fact? That they were not doing that? Or maybe they found that something Jesus Christ had said something to the Sanhedrin that they found humorous. I find humor in it all the time. I think Jesus is just a card because he gets in front of the Sanhedrin and he's telling them, speaking to them plainly, and they're like, what? What? Where'd you hear that? I heard it from my father, God, who told me. And I'm telling you, and it's the truth. For them that have ears, let them hear. Wait, what? Ears? What's that mean? I, and then they put their hands up to the ear and they grab onto it and they wiggle it. And they, I've got ears. Well, they weren't getting what he was talking about. He was talking about spiritual ears and not the physicality. So they didn't get it. I find it humorous, brothers and sisters. The Bible has a lot of humor in it. Offended by that? Quit looking for it. Look for the goodness. And there's a part here that Paul reminds us that we look to the higher things. Look for those things that are good. Look to those things that are righteous. Look to those things that are beautiful and lovely and good and kind. Ah, here we go. Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, a good report, if there be any virtue and... If there be any praise, think on these things. So instead of thinking on the things that you need to be offended by, think of all the goodness that there is out there. Think of the fact that you have planted a seed in someone's life 
and whether you see them repent and come to God or not, when you get to heaven, and prayerfully you will, that when you walk through that gate, lo and behold, look who is on the inside of that gate, but the very person that you shared a word with, and then you didn't see them for the rest of your life. But there they are, inside the gate of our home. They're in our estate. Oh my gosh, they're in our estate. And they are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the same as we are. Why? Because you planted that seed. And they decided that it was a good thing, a righteous thing, a pure thing, and they wanted to live that way. Pretty amazing how that works, isn't it, brothers and sisters? Okay, so I'm going to let you all go. I'm going to try to get some sleep. I have an appointment and things that I have to take care of. Luckily, I'm on vacation, so after that, I can come back home and take a nap. I love you. Be blessed. Don't look for things to be offended by, brothers and sisters. Look for the righteous, the good, the pure, and those things of good report. We'll find those. We might have to look a little harder because there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on out there that's really, really pretty dark. But let's not look for that, okay? I love you all. Be blessed. Have a great day.